Welcome to a brand new episode of Talking Rivals, a podcast exploring everything about the greatest rivalry in all sports. Um, I am Patrick, your co-host, covering everything Red Sox and baseball related. And this is Chris, my co-host, covering all things Yankees. So how was your holiday? Uh, it was quiet, unfortunately, because of COVID. Um, yeah. You know, uh, my my wife actually came down with COVID. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, she got it, but she's she's doing all right. She's all right. Yeah. Okay. Other than that, you know, here and there, it's just uh, it is what it is. I think uh, we're just getting through it. You know, everybody's vaxxed, so that's a good thing. We don't have anything really to worry about in that sense. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, everybody's all right. We, we made the best of it, like everybody else. How was yours? I was good, though. Like I was saying, the only problem was just returning gifts. But if <laughs> if wrong gifts are the problem, then I'm blessed. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, everyone's <laughs> you know healthy and whatever. So it's all good. Just just hoping that baseball comes back and trying to make it through the winter months. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess the biggest news since since we took a week off has been the Oakland A's finally getting a manager. I know we talked – well, we haven't talked you, just you and I about Showalter, Max. Right. Um, my point of view is – I mean, we both know – you know more than me um, what Showalter can do to change the culture of a team. And, and he's kind of – I kind of feel bad for Showalter in that he's known for getting his team to the precipice and then somebody else winning. Right. What he's been. But um, – I mean, I, I think it's the perfect hire at the perfect time. It might not have been the perfect hire a couple of years ago for the Mets, but what the Mets want to do now, you know, they're starting to shell out money. They have the stadium. They have a couple of marquee players. They're building something. And I think he gives them right kind of culture reset. Not to say somebody like Lindor needs an adjustment, but mm-hmm. it seems like Lindor and Scherzer, first time in in New York market, one's going into his second year, one's going into his first year. They're both veterans, but kind of grow into it and take on the leadership with Showalter kind of getting everyone else in line. What do you think about him? Oh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I it's It's definitely the culture change that they need um they've gone years now even decades where uh the players are basically running the show there you know no matter who they've had uh, the players have basically run run the locker room and and um and sometimes you do get it uh, you you do get a mess that the Mets have become because of that um so I definitely think um the culture change is what they needed show with, with Showalter um, yep. My thing is, how is Showalter going to? Um, this is my only problem with Showalter. How is he going to um, adapt to the whole analytics side of baseball now? Like, is he? Yeah, gonna, is he gonna just bang his head up against the wall and just yeah. like, say my way or the highway? Yeah, right. Is he gonna be okay with somebody telling him, okay, this should be the lineup? Uh, you need to, you know, like. You need to position this and you need to change the picture. I kind of use Walter as like a Bobby Valentine type. He's going to kind of try to thread the needle, mm. do his own thing, but also realize what, you know, realize the state of the game. I mean, so I was trying to think back to his last hurrah with Baltimore. 
did they do a lot of heavy shifts back then? I mean, it was it seems like forever ago, but it was what six years ago. Yeah, I think it was just before that. It was just shift. just before everything started to shift. Yeah. What I liked about Showalter in his last go around was, and I, you know, I can't stand Manny Machado, but Manny Machado has come out and said that he's helped him, that he helped him kind of yep. grow into face of the franchise, and hopefully, I'm not comparing Lindor Machado off the field, but hopefully he can kind of, and same thing with Alonzo, players like that that you want to build around. Hopefully Showalter can kind of put yeah. him under his wing and say this is how you got to do it. And Showalter has also obviously done it in New York before. Right. He can have, that's a big thing. I, you know he could handle the press. There's certain – On both sides of the press now too, so – the media yeah, there's part. certain guys that just come to New York or come to Boston or come to LA and they just can't handle it. And he's pretty honest. I think, you know, if the team stinks or if the team's not playing well, he'll say it. You know, he won't, he's not going to try to soften it up. He'll be. Yeah, he'll I think he'll just out. tell it like it is and hopefully yeah. maybe somebody above him can kind of soften it. Yeah. And I, I think with the Lindor thing, listen, the guy's going to be here for another decade. So he's got to. And I think between Lindor and Alonzo, that's kind of your yeah, without a guy. Yeah, yeah, I would assume they're going to sign Alonzo long term at, at some yeah. point. Um, so it makes sense. I I just think you know with with now with the Mets spending all the money that they did, they're all in for the next two or three years. I think it was smart to bring in Showalter, the veteran manager. You're not going to have to worry about somebody like you said earlier not being able to handle New York and all that. You know this guy is a proven winner, a proven – he could handle New York. He's a – I think he's a three-time manager of the year. Yes, um, which so is weird he's, because his winning percentage is barely over 50. Right, and he's not hes not good in the playoffs either, or he hasn't had that chance to be good right. in the playoffs. So, yeah. um, so that's the only mystery with him. But, I, I listen, I think this was the, the smartest move – yeah, if he gets the Mets to the playoffs three out of three years, then mission accomplished. Right, because to me, what, and you know this, once you get to the playoffs, anything, anything yeah. is possible. Right? Especially There's with no, a healthy DeGrom and a healthy Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, you could easily run the table with just those two guys alone. And yeah. who knows who else they're going to add, right? Because they're still spending money. When yeah, they'll, they'll add, at the very least, an innings eater. Yeah. Middle of the rotation guy. They'll probably screw around and throw out another hundred million dollar contract. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I, I could. This team is not. It's not fully done yet. You know, they're still no. going to spend some money. Um, they're going to probably. They're probably going to blow or come very close to three hundred million dollars in in their salary. So um, that's crazy. But, yeah, but I think overall, you know what? I think this is the smartest move they they could have made. Yeah, really and um, Oakland, the only other managerial opening, he, that was the latest one that was open. And they they got, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, the former outfielder. Mark Kotze, right? Kotze, yeah. He reminds me a lot of Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Kind of like a fourth outfielder, had a couple really good years during the steroid era, but I'm not saying he – was doing anything but he wasn't right. like a power hitter but he just had a couple of good years almost like the outfielders version of like a Mike Sosha or Joe Girardi yeah 
he had he had a yeah he had a nice career. You know, he was around. Let me see. He was around seventeen probably, years. He's probably two sixty. Yeah. Hitter. And he's been a coach for a few years now, right? Yeah, I was surprised that what's his name didn't get more of a look. Matt Williams. Mm-hmm. He was. Right. He's been the third base coach. He's been helping Matt Chapman for a while now, growing yeah. to the player he's become. I was also surprised that Ron Washington didn't get more of a look. Yeah, I, I just think the because A's, he was there during the implementation of Moneyball. The A's he was going, the one that, if you remember in the in the movie, that helped um, the other Giambi brother at first right. base. Yeah, I, I just think the A's are going through a lot right now. You know, like they're probably going to sell off some of their players, right? Um, yep. But they're also in the middle of trying to get a stadium done too. So you Have, kind of did you see the renderings for that new stadium? In, yeah, it looks on the waterfront. It's pretty beautiful. amazing. If if it comes if it to it, hopefully it does. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to see, you know, like another franchise that's been around for so long move and you know. And they wanna... they moved before too. They moved from Kansas City. Yeah, in the sixties, right? Early, yep. early uh, late sixties. Right before Reggie. Yep. So I, I, I hope it gets done in Oakland because they already lost the Raiders. You know, yeah, I mean, figure out Oakland Stadium, figure out Tampa Stadium, and then just expand. Right. If you yeah, really want a team in Las Vegas, put one in Las Vegas, put one in maybe like Charlotte, East Coast, West Coast type thing. And I think, too, if, if these stadiums can't get done, anything finalized in the next two or three Move years. the team. Right, because they've been, they've been talking about this, I'd say, for the last 10 years. But both, I mean, maybe longer. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think Tampa Bay, I don't like the idea of splitting with Montreal. Right, yeah, I don't like that. I think either. that's too gimmicky. Yeah. That would just make Tampa Bay, like, Tampa Bay is synonymous with the shift, synonymous with um, uh, the opener, with the pitching. It would just make it, like, the whole thing, like a clown show. Yeah. Like, yeah. different stadiums, you know, all these gimmicks and it's just not fair to the team. Or I mean, they got to get it done. Left. Get it done right because Tampa Bay. It's it's not as it's not exactly their stadium has been around for so long. It's only been around for like twenty something years. So yeah, that place was get it right the from the beginning. Yeah, so that get was, it right. There was never time. anything good. Apparently, this this the stadium isn't the issue. It's the it's the traffic. Right. Believe it or not. Well, their stadium is bad to too. A Yankee game down there, and yeah. they said the traffic is horrible. There's one, there's like one major roadway in and out. Yeah, that's not good. No, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, stadium, there's there's so many faster. different places you could you could threaten to move the team. You could move it to Orlando. You can move to Charlotte. Move to Las Vegas. You can move to Montreal, Mexico City, Portland, yeah, Oregon. Another one in Texas, probably. I mean, there's there's definitely options out there if they don't. Oh, without work. a doubt, you know, there's definitely options. So that that's why I think they got to get it done. Like that, it's like I said, we've been talking about these teams for for the last ten years or so about getting the, the right stadium, and and there's no excuse. I understand locations and stuff like that, but you know what? You've had enough time to figure it out. If, if Tampa doesn't have something ready, set, and ready to do it. And you know what? Yeah, it's I mean, to start talking the last about. I saw with Oakland was they did the environmental impact report. Now the city council has to vote. I get there's a process, but. Right. But it's been a while, right? Yeah. It's been, been 10 years. I mean, that place has been a dump. That place has been what it is. 
right. since it's opened. It's just not a good baseball stadium, either one. And it's kind of been I've never been out to a game in the Coliseum, but I've heard that you could sit in the front row above the dugout and be like 100 yards away. Yeah, they have all that foul foul territory. All the foul just, territory, yeah. I think in, in this day and age, those two stadiums are a complete embarrassment to the league because it's been so yeah, bad. So you got to be modern, got to less, uh, better sight lines, more intimate. Yeah. Closer to the field. No, I, I agree. So I, yeah. I something's got to get done. And hopefully, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, obviously they got bigger problems with the CBA. But um, once they figure the CBA out, it's got to be like, okay, what do you got? You know, like have an update. If it's nowhere near getting done, then they got to start talking about, okay, but we got to start talking about relocation for one or yeah. both of these teams because it's, it's just not, it's not fair because it's not fair to the league because you got what? Uh, the attendance is horrendous in both in both stadiums. Yes. Right. So, and both teams are not bad. They're actually no. pretty good teams, especially no. Tampa Bay. I mean, Oakland, they can't get they can't do much better financially if then if they don't have a new stadium, right? And same thing with Tampa. Tampa just amazingly every year, no matter who the hell they get, it, they figure it out and they're a playoff team. You know, Oakland exactly. yeah. kind of right there too every year. So. Yep. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, on the field is not the issue for Oakland or Tampa. It's just everything else. <laughs> right. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, Katze, I think that was a good that was a good hiring. Like you said, they might not have much to work with this first year, but yeah, because we've been hearing about yeah. Oakland yeah. trading. You know Olsen and Chapman and all Batman, these other guys. All the pitchers, Montas. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but I mean, we've heard that, but we haven't heard anything. I, I guess we'll see once the CBA eventually gets done. Maybe we'll start hearing more about these trades. But before the before the uh, the lockout, we really didn't. We we kind of heard rumors here and there, but nothing concrete that they were getting ready to trade these guys. So maybe they're not. You know, maybe they're just gonna. Sit See, back I, and wait for the best I kept time. on hearing that Olsen to the Yankees was pretty close, but yeah, you know, just wishful thinking. It's true. I mean, I think it's pretty much at least Chapman or Olsen are not going to be with the team next year. Right. Yeah, it's. I don't see you can have how you can have that much that many rumors and then try to bring them back. Right, where there's smoke, there's fire, as they yeah. say. And I think yep. he's only got one more year of control. Uh, both of them are in the middle of their arbitration years. I'm not sure how many more they have left, but yeah, he's now would be the time to move. Yeah, he's got one more year after after 2022. He's got 2023. Okay, so he's got two full years year. of control. So yeah, yeah, should get decent prospects back. Oh yeah, that's that's going to cost a lot for if the Yankees get him or anybody else. Yep, that's going to be a big hole to get uh, Matt Olson, so. Um, and then you sent me, speaking of the rest of the league, the longest active playoff droughts. Now, I knew Seattle was the longest one, but I didn't realize it's been 20 years. Yeah, and I know. <laughs> I guess Some of these good. franchises that are up there, the Mariners, the Phillies, the Tigers. I mean, the Phillies and Tigers are like iconic franchises, but. I know. It's, I I guess if I had to pick one that's gonna who has the best chance to break it this coming year, 
I'll go with the easiest one, in my opinion, Seattle. Mm. Um, Houston losing Correa, losing Verlander. We'll see who they pick up. But uh, not Verlander, I'm sorry. Um, Granky, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, Oakland tearing it down, most likely. The Angels still don't have enough pitching as of right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see, and Seattle is right there in the last day. Would they finish a game out with the playoffs? So yeah. I'll say that Seattle maybe gets a Chris Bryant or somebody like that and then puts them over the top and they make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see Pittsburgh or Kansas City. Maybe Detroit sneaks in if Cleveland stays in their rebuilding, kind of financially conservative. I just don't I don't trust the Phillies or the Angels. Yeah, I, I, just looking at them, I thought, you know, obviously the, the Pirates, they're, they got no shot at the playoffs this year. No. Um, the Phillies, I thought, okay, they, they're getting better. But, again, I don't know if they have the pitching – um, do we trust Zach Wheeler to be healthy again and have another year that he just had last year at his, I think he's 32 now, you know, and he's been yeah. injury prone his career. So uh, I don't know. I know they got Knubel and, uh, and Luke for the bullpen, which was great because that's what, that was their biggest weakness. Um, but again, National League East, you got the Braves, obviously the defending champs. You got everybody but the Nationals. Right, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but basically that's it. My my choice, I, I think Detroit, only because okay. the rest of that division, other than the White Sox, there's nothing going on, right? Kansas City is still probably a year or two away. Minnesota, they're kind of in the middle of – they're in that – Yeah, you're right. A lot of those teams in the AL Central are kind of – they're not sure if they want to tear it all the way down and start over. And I think but that's Detroit's what already done that. Yeah, Minnesota. I don't. Minnesota is kind of in the middle. Like I don't know where they're they're headed. So I don't. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're going to spend any more money. Cleveland right now, as we speak, has the lowest payroll in baseball. Yeah, don't they have their team is lower payroll than uh, Scherzer? Right, they are. They're yeah. at twenty. They're at twenty nine million. I think that's embarrassing. Twenty five man roster. Twenty six man roster. There's no excuse for that. For Cleveland, no. I mean, Cleveland's not exactly a small market either. I mean, no, I don't get it. So that whole central is just a complete mess, right? Other than the White Sox, White Sox, and, and the White Sox barely have any playoff experience, right? Their we main players are so, and they got to still replace Rendon. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. Um, did they make any moves? The White Sox? Yeah. Did they? Who did they? Um, I think they not, made... not that I can think of. Uh, I think they're bringing back um, Kimbrel. Right. Other than that, yeah. Other than right. that, I mean, the big one coming up next year is Tim Anderson. Yeah. They have to build around him. But yeah. I, yeah. I don't think they made any major moves this year. No. And, and you know what? if you remember this past year, they, they didn't play a meaningful game from probably August until game one of the DS. Right. Yeah. They, Houston. They so that's why. Much, yeah. They so, had that division locked up. That's why I think their, their division is kind of, I don't want to say it's easy, but 
I think out of the teams we're talking about, it's the easier route to getting to the playoffs, um, even yeah. winning their division. And they only finished 13, I mean, only, they finished 13 games behind the White Sox, um, Detroit. I'm sorry, 16 games behind Detroit. Cleveland wow. finished 13 games behind uh, Cleveland, uh, Chicago. So, yeah. but Detroit had that horrible April and early May. Yeah, they kind of didn't catch fire, but they kind of picked up. Uh, they yeah. played. They played much better the second half of the year. Yeah. So I, I mean, and they're not done spending money, right? Because they tried to get. Um, they offered um, Correa. They offered Correa ten for two seventy five. Yeah. So they that shows you they are not done spending yeah. money, and there's guys still out there that they can. I can see them getting Trevor Story. Yeah. Easily. That's pretty good fallback option for sure. Yeah, that's not a bad option too. Yeah. So that that's that's not bad at all. Um so I I think the, and I, I I mean even not even out of these guys, I really do think Detroit's gonna make it to the playoffs this year. Wow. Because okay. their, their team's really not bad. I mean, a lot of good young and they have two supposedly really, really good prospects. Right. Top twenty in all of baseball. And they're right. both at like the double A AA or triple A level. Yeah. So. And they got a good closer. Their bullpen's not bad. Uh, a couple of young starters right now. Um, See if maybe Cabrera can find the fountain of youth one more time. Yeah. They traded for Bar- Barnhart, the catcher. Yep. They have a corner infielder and an outfielder coming up that can right. really hit. And then they have Cameron's kid, Mike Cameron's kid in the outfield. Mm-hmm. He came up and showed flashes. Um, they signed Baez. Yeah. Baez's story would not be a bad middle infield. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting if they could do that. Um, yeah. I tell you, the only, the only guy that's really holding him down is Cabrera. You know, future Hall. Yeah, I mean, if he's, he's kind of compiling. He's going for his records. And yeah. You can't really sit them, but and the crazier thing is, including this year, he has four years left. Yeah. On his contract at like 30 something million dollars. I think he'll become one of only seven players in MLB history to have three thousand hits, five hundred home runs, and over a thousand RBIs. Right, it's gonna and be a great career. Uh, Unless he retires, and they Aaron Mays, Ruth Bonds, him, maybe Pujols. Mm. I mean, some like crazy names that he's yeah. up there. But yeah, that's I mean, very interesting. So, um, yeah, and then I, yeah, that brings us to the to our next question, which is speaking of iconic. What do you what do you think? We'll start with in in person. Um, what was the most iconic moment? Looking back on so far on what you've witnessed that you've seen in person in baseball. In person, um, in baseball, it could be uh, Yankee specific, and then in baseball in general. Or? Uh, I think in person. I've, I've been lucky enough to go to a bunch of playoff games for the Yankees regular season. I'll tell you, I went, I, I was at the, the one, the one game where Jeter hit his only career grand slam. 
not the most oh, iconic. Wow. But um, uh, I, I think the, uh, for me, and especially as a Yankee fan, Game 5, 2001 World Series, the whole thing after 9-11, pretty, uh, pretty weird time after, after 9-11, especially living in New York. Um, but um, just leading up to the game and then the game itself, Game 5, uh, it turned out to be obviously Paul O'Neill's final home game and everybody knew that. So in the ninth inning when he was coming off the field and we were actually losing um, at the time, uh, you know, the whole crowd started chanting his name and it just, it, I got goosebumps now just talking about it. As a Yankee fan, it doesn't get much better than that. And then of course, Scott Brocious hits the game tying two out, two strike home, uh, home run to tie the game in the ninth. And then we got the game winning hit um, by Soriano a couple of innings later. So I, I, for me, that, that was just an amazing moment um, for both. You know, we ended up losing the series sucked, but uh, that, that moment right there, it was like, it just, it can't be topped in person. Interesting. How about um, yours for Boston? It's tough because Boston is so far away from me that it's like, I mean, I've been to a bunch of games, but not as many. It's not like, you know, I'm in the neighborhood. Well, how about instead of just being there, what about just watching on TV? Oh, watching on TV. For Boston it, only. It had to be, I, in my opinion, it had to be in 04, mm-hmm. Game 7, Yankee Stadium, ALCS. Yeah. It really, I mean, the most pressure pack that I ever felt was uh, the bloody sock game. Yeah. Chilling. I just, there was something about that game that, I mean, because game seven was almost anticlimactic. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a close game. It was, I mean, after Damon hit that home run, that was probably the happiest I've ever been when Damon hit that grand slam. Yeah. Because it wasn't about winning the World Series. It was just about getting past the Yankees finally. Now, let me ask you this. How did you feel after game six? You guys won. How were you feeling going into game seven? Did you really feel like, oh, we're going to no. win this game? Or did no, you win? not at all. Okay. But it's funny because I was still living in Westchester at the time. So I'm just surrounded by Yankee fans. Right. <laughs> and every Yankee fan going into game seven was like, I'm not nervous. You're nervous. What's, what, what are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean I'm nervous? I'm not nervous. Uh, you know, yeah, nervous. Like, oh, I was nervous. Yankee fans started to get a little nervous going into Game Seven, but you, you could still fall back on the 1918 chance, and see, you, you just thought that something was bound to happen. Some right. Aaron Boone type of, it might not have been as magical as the year before for the Yankees, or as iconic as Bucky Dent, or as infamous as Bill Buckner, but. In my mind, I always thought that somebody, some random player in 2004 was going to get a hit for the Yankees and crush the Red Sox chance. But I Listen, I, I was nervous going into that game because we had nobody pitching-wise, starting-wise. Exactly. Right? We, I think You're only as Brown good as started. next day's pitcher. Yeah. So that's – for me, that's where I was nervous. And especially from the previous year, now going back to that, watching on tv mine was a little bit different not a little bit different but just the year before and i'm looking back at it now it's becoming even more iconic was the aaron boone home run because 
from from 2003 game seven because that was really like that's basically the last moment of the Yankees rivalry where we had the advantage because since then you guys have had the advantage you guys have won more world series you guys have had our number basically um yeah to me baseball I mean 2003 and 2004 are kind of lumped together yeah it's just it was peak Red Sox Yankees insanity yeah, and it ended the same way. Game seven, ALCS, and it was just absolute slugfest of series of games, uh, four and a half hours, and one to be seven hours long. Right. Um, I guess outside of the Yankee Red Sox universe, my favorite moment was um, just going to Fenway the first time. It wasn't a Yankee Red Sox game. It was just a Red Sox game. Right. So I think it was against the Royals. But it was before the Fenway had the uh, monster seats. It was before what I call the pink hat fans after 2004. You'd get all the all the females with the pink hats and the guys with the green hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how it goes with Yankee yep. fans, too. Yep. I mean, oh, yeah. certain people just go to Yankee Stadium just because. It's Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So um, before that, I think it was in 1990. I still have the ticket stub somewhere, but it was like it was after Field of Dreams came out in 89, but it was before the Yankees went on their run in 96. Right. I know that's a wide range, but the first two times I went to Fenway, it was just it was incredible. Just seeing the Green Monster in person was incredible. Yeah, it's got to be pretty um, impressive to see in person. Yeah, I mean, I went to the future game in 99 during the All-Star weekend. Got to see Soriano hit a home run over the monster. That was pretty cool. So, 99 was pretty pretty good year, too. With Ted Williams coming out on the cart and all oh, that good stuff. That was amazing. And asking Tony Green, when you foul a ball off and you're right on it, you know, can't you smell yes. that wood off the bat? <laughs> It's crazy. I mean, to see all-time greats be reduced to, like, not knowing what to say in front of Ted Williams. And to be honest, they should try to do that every year. Yeah, out, like, they know. should tie it in to an all-time great at the home ballpark. Right. They they definitely – I mean, obviously, this year it was in Colorado, so, you know, who are you going to bring out? Yeah. Helton or uh, Larry Walker, I guess. Yeah, they could have done something with Larry Walker coming out. Yeah. Just getting into maybe the doing like a relay between him and Helton. I'm trying to think of other iconic Rocky players. I mean, <coughs> but I think every every that's the one thing. Every, every it. team has a living legend that you can yeah, incorporate. But I think uh, that's one one position where I think we we've talked. I think we talked about it on or on or off the podcast about ways to improve the game. And I think the all-star game, they got to do something. to Fan interaction. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, I, I mean, it would be pretty too. cool if they did, like, during the home run derby, if they did, like, a local legend one where, like, yeah. Larry Walker comes out and takes a couple hacks against Todd Helton right. in Colorado. Like, just in between to give the regular con- contestants, you know, an added break. Or do something where it's like I'm trying to think of other 
like where where's the this year's All Star game going to be? Oh, um, I'd have to look that up. Probably Texas, maybe. Uh, that that sounds about right. I can see that. Um, maybe like have like Nolan Ryan throw out the first pitch or something to to Pudge Rodriguez. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, stop. There's, I mean, oh, there's Dodgers. So many Dodgers. Okay. So there you go. I mean, there's plenty of yeah. iconic. I mean, there's no shortage of iconic. Yeah. You can do the Kirk Gibson because that's almost the anniversary. It's almost been, was it like 35 years since Kirk Gibson oh, so hit that home run? Yeah, the 88. So, yeah, there's no shortage of Dodger greats. Yeah, um, that would be kind of cool. But, yeah, just more fan interaction and just more. Just being, I just want to see baseball be more proactive, like addressing their problems, whatever the problems they believe they have in the game. Be proactive about it. Don't be reactive. Just come up with a plan and implement the plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just saying, oh, this is the way the game is, and it's always going to be like that. Yeah, I mean, the game itself, you could keep it, but there's so many other ways. Like you said, with the oh, home yeah. run derby, even a home run derby, you could kind of, like you said, local, you could bring in just you past, could do local legends. stuff. You could also do, you'd also do a money round where like it's just all breaking balls. You yeah. bring in somebody, you bring in somebody that throws like an iconic curveball, like a Clayton Kershaw. You just say, look, you're going to, we're going to throw a curveball between like 60 and 70 miles an hour. Instead of just meatball fastballs, like you know how they have like the money ball, yeah, yeah. like one yeah. one one pitch per round, I could throw an off speed pitch. Yeah, that's just not different bad. things like that. The goal ball and or the championship, you do you do something crazy. Like we were joking around one time, you do um, an aluminum bat round. And I also said too, add I mean, a pitcher each nuts. side. Right. Yeah. Yep. Remember how good uh, how good Baumgartner is as a as a hitter. Um, Remember Dontrell Willis? Yeah. CC. Yeah, Willis I would definitely good. pay to see Dontrell Willis in his peak. Definitely. Swing for the fences. That's what I mean. They, they gotta they gotta tweak it. You know, they gotta add to it. You know, because right now it's kind of losing its. I don't want to say it's luster, but it's definitely losing something. The All Star Game. I don't think our kids. I mean, really the futures like, was a good thing. The future game. Yeah. Um, I like that they moved the draft to that weekend. Right. So they're starting to do stuff like that. But and the futures, the future games, they gotta kind of highlight it where so people yeah, can watch. They it. gotta get it off MLB network because that's too right. specific. MLB network is for like the baseball junkies. Right. Put it on like ESPN. You're not attracting a new crowd with that. Yeah. You, you gotta put it on like ESPN or something. And those are the guys that are gonna, you know, take this league. The next, as the next generation, you know, they're going to be the exactly the next superstars. So you want the younger, the younger audience. You want as much audience to watch them because wow, these are the guys that are going to be the the all stars coming up. You know, in, in the next few years. So, um, yeah. So there, there's there's definitely options there. Um, but um, and what what would be your favorite moment? Let's try to make it outside of Boston and New York. Favorite baseball moment. You know what? I have a few, but one for sure. We you just talked about it. I was going to say it too. Was the Kirk Gibson home run? 
I remember okay. exactly where I was. I was over, we were in Pennsylvania at, a, at my buddy's place. He had moved up there, opened a pizzeria, all this stuff. And we were watching on his little TV in the back and just saying, this guy, he could barely walk up to the, to the, to the batter's box with, with, with a bat. That's how injured he was. Both his legs, I think one was an ankle, the other one was the hammy. And he was just, there was just, nobody thought he'd have a shot against Eckersley. No. And the iconic thing too was you've seen people leaving, you know, the, the, uh, the car, the stop, the red lights of the cars in the parking lot driving yeah. away. There's a photo of that. And, and it was right after the natural came out. So they linked that when they showed it the next day. Yeah. So it was just, it's just an amazing moment. And it's something that I, I don't think we've seen since. Um, Maybe so the Joe Carter walk off. That one too. But he wasn't that injured. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, no, that was a big one. For me, I'm trying to think of a specific play or memory. Uh, I mean, it's more of a career, but for me, it was Griffey watching Junior play. Yeah. He, that's, that's when I fell in love with the game. I mean, I was already playing the game and I was already into it, but. During peak Ken Griffey Jr. years, that was my childhood. I just I couldn't I couldn't ask for any more. I mean, between his catch in the old Detroit Tiger Stadium, where he leaped over and brought the ball back, right? I'm trying to remember who it was off of, but oh, I think oh. it might have been the young Luis Gonzalez. And then I remember the All-Star game with Torrey Hunter when he robbed Barry Bonds. Yes, that was big. Stuff like that. Just And then I mean, Bonds hugged him afterwards or he yeah, him, whatever. I mean, I was just a sucker for – at that time, I was still playing, so I was a sucker to watch elite defensive plays. Because yeah. the home runs, after a while, you're like, okay, the guys just are nuts. Yeah. Their muscles good. and everything. And just watching the defensive plays and – even uh, bring it back to the Yankee stuff. Even I remember watching Griffey run the bases in '95. Oh. Even though you don't like the outcome, and here still... comes Griffey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Marsberger was on the call. Yeah, oh, I was so upset after that. I remember, but uh, yeah. I, that series alone, I always go back to it. I even going into it, Seattle was probably one of the hottest teams. I've ever seen going into the playoffs, right? Because they were down, if you remember, they were Didn't down. They catch the Angels? Yeah, they had to catch them. And then they beat them on the last game of the year or they yes. they played an extra game. And during that I time, too. they might have played an extra game. Yeah, I think they did. Yep. And they beat Remember them. it was what, Tim Salmon? Yeah. Yep. Uh, was it Garrett Anderson, too? Yep. Jim Edmonds? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, too, I think around that time, or that weekend or that day was the same day as the OJ trial ended as well. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, off baseball, I remember the OJ chase getting cut into the Knicks finals. Yes. The year before. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's pretty. I felt bad for my, Nick, for my friends that were Knicks fans. It's like, yeah. we're finally in the finals again. And, and now we got to get up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> for some reason, because I remember, I, I had I actually went up to Cooperstown that weekend or that day. I, it just worked out that day. Not that I went up for that day, but because um, that's where I remember watching that game and that 
if it wasn't that day, it was the next day the um, the OJ trial ended. So, wow. um, you know, the guilty verdict or whatever or not. Yeah, I've been to Cooperstown, I think, four times, and I could go another 40. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I love that place. The town is great. Um, the Hall of Fame is great to go see. If, if you're any kind of a baseball fan, it's well it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. And it's such a nice little town. It's it's like the perfect town. It's a Rockwell painting, basically. Yeah. But um, speaking of Cooperstown, we can do a quick little roundup. Have you been following the um, the ballads? Yeah. So some of them are just. Some of them are really ridiculously laughable. Yeah, it's like almost like they're not taking it serious. These voters, like they don't care, or they just like no Bonds, no Clemens, but we'll go with you know Omar Pascal. Yeah, that's the I, hill you're going to die on. Yeah, it, it to me it makes absolutely no sense, um, and I get it. It's hard because the whole steroid thing, but for me, like this is my little thing. When it first started, when when they first started after the steroid era ended and they started testing once that happened, if they wanted to put their foot down and say, nobody's getting in who used steroids or who was rumored to take steroids, I would have hundred percent respected everyone who said that and said, okay, if that's the way, if that's what you want to say, then that's fine. Me, I'm the opposite. These guys, what they did like bonds and Clemens, what they did was just amazing. Mark McGuire, another one. Every if if most of the league took steroids at the time, so if if that's what it is, right? Most of the league took more than half, seventy five percent, whatever percent you want to say, but it was most of the league took steroids. So everybody had that slight advantage going for them, but only a handful of guys put up these amazing numbers year yeah. after year after year. It wasn't a one year thing. It was. It wasn't Brady Anderson. It was Bonds and Clemens. It's, yeah, exactly. And with Bonds and Clemens, too, it was they brought more to the table than just what steroids gave them. Right. I mean, they Clemens was striking out 20 in the game before he took steroids. They were Bonds was stealing 40 bases and hitting 40 home runs. Yeah. Before steroids. So they were all-time great players before. If so I can see, I can see if you want to say, look, Mark, Mark McGuire, he only did one thing, and he, he did it supremely well with power hitting, but he only did that. So maybe keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Right. But Bonds, Clemens, these guys were guys that were, they were all-time greats before steroids. And when you look at Bonds' numbers, and in, if and if people haven't, they, all they have to do is look back, look at his stats, go to Baseball Reference, go wherever. To tie it into Showalter, do you remember when Showalter was managing the Diamondbacks? It was a bases load. It was a regular season game, mm-hmm. bases loaded in the old Candlestick Park, and Bonds came to bat. I forgot what the score was, but Showalter said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm going to intentionally walk him." Intentionally walked Barry Bonds, scored a run just to get to the next batter. Right. I think it was only like, it was like 6-4 at the time. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. I mean, obviously, he's not going to walk in the time run. But no, no. It but definitely, it wasn't like a 12 nothing game. It just showed it the other day, or I just seen it the other day. And, and, and that, lefty, that to me was the ultimate respect. Like, 
Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll make this game interesting, but we're not going to leave it up to Fox. And it wasn't Kent that came up next. It was someone else. Might have been Matt Williams. No, it was, you know what? No. It was definitely a left-handed batter. Okay. I'm trying to remember the name, but it was definitely a left-handed batter. It wasn't Williams. It wasn't Kent. Um, I just can't think of it right now, but... Um, but oh, yeah, no, that's, JT Snow? Uh, Remember, he no. was out there for a while. Yeah, I don't think it was him either. Um, just seen it too. But I mean, yeah, to your point, with baseball reference, I mean, there are so many bold yeah. league-leading stats in Bonds' page. Yeah, and again, like I said, if most people took steroids back in the day, you know, in the peak, if more than 50%, nobody came anywhere near these numbers. Nowhere. Yeah. I mean, nothing, you know. There's even, a big difference between hitting 50 home runs one year and hitting 60 to 70. I mean, like you brought up Brady Anderson. Yeah, that's that's definitely a steroid anomaly. Right. And even some guys who. And you can I tell. Always, yeah, and I listen. They weren't testing for it, so for a guy to take steroids back then, it was like, well, they're not testing me, so you know, it's just like driving on a highway. Right, that's like saying, you know, you went you went to a red light because there was no red light camera. You right. shouldn't, but right, or even on the highway. Way, yeah, nobody drives the the speed limit on the highway. No, right, or most of us don't. Obviously, there are some that don't that you want to drive over because they can't go fast, but. Um, but listen, if you know there's no cops around, you're not going the speed limit. So right. I, I don't blame these guys for what they did. I I don't I don't appreciate what the better players I don't like Bonds taking it because he was already a great player. He was already a Hall of Famer without yep. the steroids, obviously. I don't blame the guys that were like the fringe major leaguers that said, Hey, I got nothing to lose, right? If I don't take this, yeah, like if Luis Soho <laughs> took steroids i would be like you know what right, Fine. You, blame you gotta keep your job right so it doesn't listen and if they put I these guys want baseball to be consistent with it right exactly that's all i want consistency and obviously some guys are already in that took steroids there's no doubt about it you can't unring the bell right once i mean you can't tell be me consistent and say Bonds and Clemens deserve to be in before Big Poppy. But right. to me, once they put in a guy like Yvonne Rodriguez, as great yeah. as a player as he was, he took steroids. Yep. You gotta be if you're not blind, you had to see the difference he made, the difference in his body the year they started testing. If you go back to that, you'll see he showed up in camp much thinner. And all the reporters said, Why are you so thin? compared to and he said oh i'm just you know because i'm getting older i want i started a new uh you know workout regimen and diet and all that and come on it was and so no, i was the guy was catching 150 games in the texas heat right like, and he, he was, played yeah. with <laughs> think about who he played with too right he had canseco as his teammate palmero juan gonzalez a -Rod. <laughs> right a rod i mean all these guys that were linked yeah. to steroids so Hello, you definitely yep. took it. And that's, and I, I don't, again, I don't agree with what they did, but I don't blame them because they It is what it is. It's right. Just... But I think here's, here's my thing too. 
if they took it after they started testing and then tested positive and got caught, okay, those guys, if you want to leave them out. Yeah, I, like, like if you want to leave Robinson Cano out. Um, right. Four. Right, exactly. Maybe Ramirez too. Manny Ramirez, he tested positive. Yeah, I think, I think he's a, a perfect example of someone who did it the wrong way. Just look, come on, what are you doing? What are you, what are you? Right. Another like, great player that didn't need to take it. And now you're taking it after exactly. they're, te- they're, they're testing you. So no, yep. you shouldn't go in the whole thing for that. No. You know, no. Barry Bonds actually retired right afterwards because no one signed him after they started testing because yeah. they knew, you know, he'd probably test positive and he'd probably get suspended and they don't want that headache, you know? So, but he could have played another year or two easily, Bonds. I mean, I think he hit like 40 his last year or 30-something. And the last I saw, it was Big Poppy was at, what, 80%? Mm-hmm. So he's right on pace to – if I have no problem, obviously, with Poppy being a Hall of Famer. I just want Clemens and Bonds to be in, too. Right. If, you, if, you're putting in, if you're putting in Ortiz, come on, you can't not put these other guys in. It's yeah. just – it's ridiculous. It's – like you said, consistency. That's all I want to see. And you know what? Yeah, it's I, I want baseball I, just like the umpires with the strike zone. If you're going to be all over the place, just be consistently all over the place. Like just make the same call you make in the first in the ninth. So if you screwed up during the steroid era as a writer and no one said, look, why are these guys hitting the ball 700 feet? Uh <laughs> At the time, because everyone was making money, so now you gotta you gotta let them in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they earned it, right? Absolutely. I, it's and you know what? If you want to put on their plaque, played during the steroid era, yeah, that's fine. You don't even have to say he was nope. rumored to take steroids or anything. Just, Just like it. when you say like, oh well, you know, I've heard people say Ty Cobb, Shoeless Judge, whoever. Why didn't they hit more home runs? Well, because they played in the dead ball era and different things like that. Just write down, just say this is the steroid era win. This right. is the modern baseball. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. I, I, I totally agree. Um, but you know what? They're, but they're also, I think, I, I, I also don't agree with them. Forget about voting for Pete Rose. Um, let's, that's a whole other debate. But Just put him on the ballot. Right. His name should be on the ballot. Let the writers, if they're going to decide on these guys, if they're going to go in or out, let them decide on Pete Rose too. Because yeah. I, I don't know if they would vote him in, but at least give them the chance to to either vote him in or not. And whichever way you want to look at it, if they're going to screw it up or not, you know, because... It's almost like, you know what? Why not just have like... Why not just have one shit show of a year of Hall of Fame people? Put Pete Rose in. Put Shoeless Joe in, put Bonds, put Clemens, put Big Poppy, all these guys that deserve it, but just put them on one ballot and just get it over with. Just rip right. it off like a band-aid. That's it. Right. Just one put year. Schilling on there and you know what? Whatever. If you don't want to watch the ceremony, you're scared of what they're going to say, or it's just, eh, it's 2021, whatever. Right. One of those exactly. years. And you just grin and bear it. And, again, and then a year after that, you'll have some stellar candidate come up. And, and the same thing like with every Pete year Rose. cannot be a perfect squeaky clean Derek Jeter. Right. There's going to be problematic people 
in a human element of a game. Absolutely. And you can't be scared of that as a writer. And so. the same thing with Pete Rose, put it on the plaque. Yeah, he was he was suspended for life because he, he gambled he on the game. Play deal. Like he he wasn't forced to. Right. So I mean, there's so many ways they could have done it, and they did it the absolute worst way. I'll say this. If Poppy gets in, when he gets in, I'm definitely going to Cooperstown. I'm trying to go to Cooperstown for that. Because without without him, there would I mean eventually the curse would have been reversed, but no, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, he was <laughs> it would have been a couple more years. He is definitely the poster boy for a Yankee killer, if I've yeah. ever seen one. <laughs> yeah, he's he's on the modern. Oh, here's a good one. If you had to do a Mount Rushmore for Yankees. For Yankees? No, no, for Yankees. All-time Yankees. A Mount Rushmore. I uh, would probably... Was it four on Mount Rushmore or five? Four. It's four, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. The Yankees, I that's guess tough. it's Ruth. The Yankees, that, that's no joking around. Ruth, Garrett, DiMaggio. Mantle. Mantle? That that's top? pretty good four. I mean, you could add probably six more. You could add Jeter, Rivera. Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford. That's Uh-oh. seven right there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's been a lot. so I, Embarrassment yeah. of riches. Yogi Berra. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because, I mean, I saw something where it was Boston sports. It was Ted Williams. Larry Bird, Bobby Orr, and Tom Brady. Yeah, that sounds about right for Boston. Yeah. So. And New York, and yeah, for New York sports. All right. So, all right. How do you pick one baseball player? One baseball player in New York sports. I would go Babe Ruth. Right. I think you'd have to. He's the most iconic name. I think you'd have to. Um, right. Football. I think you'd have to do Joe Namath. Uh yeah. Or my I'm uh, yeah because you know what with the depends Giants, on the age of the person obviously, but, but with, uh, what he did other, for just to be Broadway Joe, what he did for the signing of the AFL, right? Uh, just bringing the AFL into the mainstream. And the only other football player I think would be Lawrence Martin. Taylor. Yeah. That's the only argument you can make because the other guys. Because right, he changed football too. Yeah, he was a game changer. Absolutely. Greatest. And then basketball, player. you could do Walt Frazier. Or Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Hockey. Good luck with that. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even know how to break that oh, one down. You count Islanders? I don't know. You'd have to. Yeah, I guess so. Then, yeah, then it's, then it's, I mean, it luck. could be Brodor. It could be, if Messier played longer with the Rangers, sure. Yeah, um, but hockey, I'd, I'd go with Bossy. Okay. Or Billy Smith. I mean, there's a guy, there's three or four guys again with the uh, Islanders you could yeah. add. Um, but the then, Yankees, Mount Rushmore, it's like, it's the biggest mountain I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> for deserving faces on it. Well, who's the four you would put for the Red Sox? You sh- mostly outfielders. <laughs> The, right. the Red Sox have this like left field thing. Ted Williams, Jastrzemski. Um, I would put Ted Williams, Jastrzemski, Ortiz, 
And the fourth, you could make an argument for Pedro. No, you can make an argument for Pedro. You make an argument. I would even make an argument for Baratek as as a catcher. But yeah, I think Pedro, iconic status, Hall of Famer. Yeah, those four. Too modern, too old school. Go with like new and old school breed. What about a pure Red Sox? Like just only Red Sox player, like a guy who's played like ninety. The like ultimate Red Sox player. Yeah, because you know what, Ortiz. I know he only played. Yeah, like, yeah. With Minnesota, I mean, the obvious answer is Ted Williams, but other than Ted Williams and Yastrzemski, I think it would have to be somebody random, like a Jerry Remy, who just passed away, because his whole career, his whole life was the Red Sox, basically, or Johnny Pesky. Well, what about the what's his name? Uh, the second baseman, Pedroia. Yeah, Pedroia was a lot. Is like a modern day like Phil Rizzuto type. Yeah, not the greatest stats, but a winner, grinder, just, a, just one of those like dirt dogs, just yeah, gym rat, just that type. So yeah, the right one I thought of, but he, I think he played with uh, Baltimore afterwards, right? Dewey Evans. Play with Dwight way? Evans. Dwight Evans actually led the American League in home runs for the decade of the eighties. Hmm. I just saw that stat, and he's another one that has to get in the Hall of Fame. But I think he played with Baltimore, right? The last year, yeah. Or something. So I was obviously it's Williams. Yeah, After yeah. Williams, it's got to be Ustremski. After Ustremski, yeah. then you can open it up for discussion. But Yaz and Williams are like Ruth and Garrick. Yeah, it's just. I mean, for a while there, I think it was three decades with only two left fielders starting for the Red Sox. Right. I mean, it's like Yankees center field for a while. And Babe Ruth. Maggio to Mantle. And technically, Babe Ruth didn't play his whole career in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I heard about that once or twice. Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't even make him as that pure Yankee because as great as he or was. Or how about this? The ultimate, the ultimate starting nine in all of baseball. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a whole show, I think. <laughs> yeah, or just or to make it even harder, not rush of baseball. Of all of baseball, um, all of baseball, four spots. You got to put Ruth. Yeah, Babe Ruth has to be one. It has to be. After that, maybe Willie After May. that, you can go in different directions, whether you're offense or pitching, modern, I, back in the day. I think we got to put Brooks Ro- – um, I think you got to put Calvin Jackie Finn. Robinson. Jackie Robinson? I think you have to. Yeah. But Jackie I, and Babe Ruth are a pretty good start. And then after, and then after that, that, you could argue like Hank Garren, Willie Mays. Yep. Or you could go down the road of you want to get a pitcher in there. Nolan Ryan slash Tom Seaver, Tom Seaver slash, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Or if you want to do speed, you can do Ty Cobb, but it kind of has like a negative. Picture, you would have to do like a Cy Young. Stuff. Cy Young. Cy, yeah, Cy Young would be a good place to start too. And his numbers, because his numbers you'll never see ever again. You're never going to get 500 wins. No. You're never going to get 300, let alone 500 in this league anymore so yeah we're talking jacob de has what 77 career wins yeah and what does cy young have like 512 536 something like that, something like that? yeah it's crazy 
but yeah, Jackie Jackie Robinson and Babe Ruth is a pretty good start. Yeah, absolutely. To represent baseball. True. Definitely. Do you want to do any trivia or do you want to? Because I have one more question. Not I, I don't have question. any trivia. Okay. Um, I, th- I think a good place to finish up the episode would be because there's not on the field news going on. Looking ahead to next year, obviously, all I wanted for Christmas this year is the end of a work stoppage. But looking ahead to next year, just assuming that the whole year is going to be played, um, what's like one breakout player or one storyline that you're keeping track of or that you're not, you know, not trying to predict everything, but if you had to look forward next year and say either for all of baseball or both for the Yankees and then baseball. For the Yankees, I just want to see what in the world their plan is going to be once the CBA is over. Like, what are they going to do? I know they're going to do something like a lot of these fans are like, well, we didn't get, you know, we weren't able to get um, any shortstop yet, or we, we didn't make any moves. They're, they're going to make moves. They're, they're going to make big moves too. It's just a matter of what. And, you know, if you go on Twitter, you could see every move in imaginable that they're going to make. So, but I, I definitely, from the Yankees, I just want to see what kind of moves they're going to make. And also too, how is Garrett Cole going to, rebound this year to me he's the biggest what are you going to do he's like the linchpin for the Yankees right now yeah because if he goes back to what he was I'm a Yankee fan it's it's Cole rebounding from last year and it's Judge staying healthy right um and then you know like outside of the Yankees um I think two things in there and I'm going to put them on the same team as well um number one can Otani do what he can he repeat this performance that he did right. this year? Because it was just ridiculous how amazing yeah. what he did with pitching and hitting and and with all the injuries they had, he had like nobody around him and he still put up those numbers. So I'm looking forward to him and I really want to see this Angel team with all of them healthy. I want to see Rendon to come back. I want to see Trout for a full year, Otani. That's I want to see what they could do together. Can they finally get Trout into the playoffs? You know, for baseball purposes, he needs to be on the big stage. We yeah. need to see the best player of the last few years, the face of baseball almost, him and Otani. They need to be in the playoffs. So I, I would agree. Yeah. I just want to see that. Yeah, for me, it's um, for all of baseball, I think it would be other than Otani, seeing if that's sustainable, if he can kind of make that a career, um, I would say which which one of the crop of uber-talented under-25 superstars are going to almost raise their games to the next level, go from perennial all-star to no doubt about it, first ballot Hall of Famer, next Mike Trout. Like, is it going to be Soto? It's going to be Acuna coming back off injury. Is it going to be Vlad Guerrero? Right. Like they're all going to be great, but I want to see which one takes the mantle, so to speak, and right. says, "Look, I'm going to be the alpha." Is it Tatis? Devers is still only 24. I mean, there's so many different ways you can go with that, but it's like the next, 
the step down in age from um, from um, Bryce Harper and Trout. It's like the next man up. I just want to see who that is. And then for the Red Sox, I just I just want to see a healthy Chris Sale. Um, for some reason, and I give him as much crap as the next Red Sox fan, probably even more. But that's because I expect so much out of him. It's like the Garrett Cole thing. Chris Sale could win 15 games and have a three and a half ERA. That's not that's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're both guys are supremely talented, and it's just in some respects I take it for granted. In other respects, you know, I want to slow down and savor because I think Chris Sale has the highest strikeout for nine inning of any pitcher right now. And I know it's a different game nowadays, but, you know, I just always took it for granted that Chris Sale had the ability to strike out 20 in the game. Right. I would love to have a moment like that where I could just sit back and watch a game and have Sale be healthy and just, you know, do what him and Garrett Cole and a couple other pitchers are capable of. Just go out there and just throw a one-hitter like a, like a Pedro Martinez type of game. Right. That's what I'm looking forward to this year. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully we have baseball. That's the that's the whole that's the bottom line. Just baseball. Just give me the yes, yes. Give us baseball back. <laughs> yep. It's um, first spring training game is three months from yesterday. I think February twenty sixth. Okay. So oh, that's okay. pitchers and catchers report in on uh, what Valentine's Day. Yeah, usually it's right about that time. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at three days, three days left in in the old year. Then January and two weeks in February, you're looking at like less than six weeks until pitchers and catchers. So they better um they better figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I would think we're gonna start hearing stuff next week after after New Year. They said after the new year. Yeah, it then, makes uh, sense. Yeah, I think I think somewhere in January they're just going to say, "Look, there's, I know you're making billions and we're making millions. And it's a lot to say meet in the middle, but something's got to give. There's just too much money to be made, right? Even if you take away the love of the game and the purity of the game, take all that cliche crap out of it, just right. dollars and cents. There's too much money to be made. Just get it done." Yeah, and I, I think they will. I think once after the new year comes, they got to meet in the middle. As bad as it, as bad business as it is to sign a, a less than ideal contract, it's even worse business to get nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Like forty eight percent of a revenue split is better than nothing. It's true. So just get it done. Totally agree, <laughs> and I hope so. You know, I really do. I I, I hope it. I hope it happens because it's it's pretty ridiculous that there we're even we're even at this point. Like you would think they'd be smart enough to to figure whatever they got to figure out. I know it comes down to money. They both want, you know, they both want what they want. Not even taking sides here, but they got to figure it out. You know, there's so like you said, there's so much money involved in in baseball. Don't mess this up, and don't don't try to push away fans because that's what you're going to do if this goes into March and April, if this lingers and we don't get a full season, you, you're going to lose a lot of fans again, and it's going to take a lot to get them back. 
Yeah. He may not get him back this time because there's other no, things that no, are. No, because more, last time it took steroids to get him back. So what's yeah. it going to take this time? I, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, they can't play that card again. That's for sure. No, they're going to have to end up making like TikTok videos during the game. Yeah, exactly. On the field, like take out take out your iPhone during the game. Yeah, it's true. I they're going to have to do something. Something I don't know. Bonkers, but um, next episode we'll try to do a little more trivia. We'll do uh, I think what would be interesting would be to do one of us takes the side of the players and the other takes the side of the owners. Okay. And let's try just to just to almost hammer it out on air, just <laughs> okay. to figure it out. Like you know, just have a conversation about what you think, what what how you would come to the table if you were the owner. Or you were the player, right? And we can just do that and see, because that that'll lead in all different directions. Yeah, I'll see if we because I doubt sure there will be any cool. breaking news next yeah. week. So, until then, um, I think this is episode twenty six already. Time's flying by. I remember when we first started. It was I know what was it? Uh, the All Star break. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So, yeah, this is the last episode of 2021. And, you know, until until you hear from us again, have a happy and healthy new year. And uh, hopefully we'll have some good news about baseball coming up soon. Yep. Until then, um, follow us at Talking Rivals, at CP7NY, at Patrick Trotty. And um, we'll be on Sportswire with Tom and the gang every Friday and Saturday, Sunday, usually talking football, but we try to sneak some baseball in too. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Until then, have a good one. Take care.